Welcome everyone into another edition of the Ferrario Faceoff here at Claves Online. I, of course, am Alex Ferrario, the pre and post game host for the St. Louis Blues on the radio side, as always with my good buddy Mike Claiborne. And Claves, let's just hit it first. It's finally the end of Groundhog's Day, buddy. No more <laughs> Coyotes. I'm so happy I get to finally say that. You know, uh, I don't know if I've ever been happier to see somebody move on. Uh, and, you know, a lot of the games haven't been what I would call overly exciting. They haven't been very physical. I didn't see where too many teams or too many players from each team didn't like each other like you would in the playoffs where, you know, there was always a guy you wanted to stick it to. We didn't really have that. So I'm glad that we've moved on. And the one thing I, I hope the Blues fans will, will pay attention to is the fact that we're going to see some other teams now. Yeah. And let's turn the page on Arizona, who obviously had the Blues number to a point. And I think it'll be a great challenge for the Blues to move on and see what they're able to do and be able to adjust because I, obviously uh, Arizona maybe exposed the Blues in certain areas that other teams may try and take advantage of. So what will the Blues do and how will they adjust and will they be able to go back to maybe playing more of a heavy game and a game that we've seen them be successful in? I'll tell you this, Clibs. This this just goes to show you teams don't get under the skin of fans or players. It gets under the skin of broadcasters too. Yes, the other, yes, no the other doubt. afternoon. Uh, so in the middle of the game on Monday, Chris Kerber in the middle of the broadcast just pauses and goes, "Why doesn't somebody punch one of these guys right in the face?" I heard him say it, and I was <laughs> howling. And, and you know, but he's right because right. You, but they, here's the thing: Arizona didn't really have an antagonist. No, I mean, you know, you go back, let's go back to Vancouver series. They had Roussel, who's yeah. been, a, he was a pain in the ass in Dallas. He was a pain in the ass in Vancouver. Right. They don't have a guy. They didn't have a guy who could do that. Mm-hmm. You look at some other teams, you, you look at Vegas, they got a couple of guys that you say, you know, I, I can, I can really not like that guy. Yeah. You know, one of them would be Ryan Reese, but you know, I may not like him, but I'm not going to tell him. so i mean you know there's certain teams that have those guys and i think we'll start to see that a little bit more let let me ask you this question yeah are you surprised at the balance that we have in the national hockey league i mean now there have been some teams that haven't played as many games but i am a little surprised at the bottom rung teams or a little bit more competitive than I thought they would be. I'm 100% with you, Claves. I was amazed at how many of the experts in the NHL before this season picked the Honda West division, the one that the Blues are playing in, mm-hmm. as the weakest division. Because in my opinion, they have three teams that are cup favorites and the Blues, the Avalanche, and the Golden Knights. Arizona and Minnesota are not an easy team by any means. Like They've turned that organization around to be competitive and then beyond that, I mean, we just saw it last night. The L.A. Kings, yes, you sir. can think the L.A. Kings are bad all you want, but they still have Andre Kopitar, who's one of the best centers in the game still, Drew Doughty, and Jonathan Quick, who can steal you hockey games. Yes. The same can be said about the Anaheim Ducks with John Gibson and Ryan Getzlav. And then you got the San Jose Sharks, who the San Jose Sharks are bad right now. They're at the bottom of this division, but they still have – Burns. They got two Norris Trophy couple right. uh, tr- trophy winners on their team. And they got Evander Kane, who can be a 25-goal scorer when he wants to. They have Tomas Hurdle. They have Logan Couture. Like, they still have an impressive team. So I'm with you, Claves. People think that you will have, you know, maybe 10 teams that are elite in the NHL and that everyone else is just kind of mediocre. In my opinion, you have about five or six elite teams, but that next 10 to 12 are right there to where they can win yeah. a Stanley Cup 
any day of the week if they have an opportunity to get into the postseason. And, and you know, I, I think the other thing, Alex, well, they may not win the cup. They can make sure you don't win it either. Yeah. I mean, there are some teams you certainly say, man, I don't know if I want to face them in the first round. Yeah. Remember the Carolina Hurricanes from two mm -hmm. years ago? Yeah. I mean, they knocked Tampa out in the first round, and then they get into that final series against Boston in the conference finals. That could have gone Carolina's way if things would have gone their direction. Boston won it, but there's at least five teams, and Arizona's one of them that can rob a team of a postseason berth just because of the way that they play any time in the regular season. How much confidence do you think Arizona took away from the series against St. Louis? As I far as saying, and with all the other things that are going on internally, and we can talk about that a little bit, yeah. pretty interesting stories that have been written here recently, and now Arizona's trying to counter it. But with all the alleged distractions that may exist within that organization, um, I think that they really felt like, hey, you know what? We can play with these guys. And if we can play with them, we can play with the other teams and we can play with that team. And and I just think overall, you know, I know they won four of the seven, but I think they really took a big stride in saying we think we can play with some some teams other than the St. Louis Blues. Oh, 100%. I mean, look, the, the Arizona, they played four games against Vegas towards the beginning of the season, Claves, and Arizona only took one game. But the other two that they lost, the two of the three that they lost, they were one-goal games, one of them going into overtime. So Arizona competed with Vegas. They've competed with St. Louis and outplayed St. Louis. And frankly, they haven't even seen Colorado yet, but I have a feeling that's going to go that direction as well. The one thing that stuck out to me about that series, Claves, of why Arizona won it and why they're feeling better than the Blues are was something Rick Tockett said. Rick Tockett said that he told his team after that first loss of the season, this is the postseason for us. Go yeah. out there and treat this as a postseason to prove that you're worthy of it. And they did that. They took on a Stanley Cup champion from a couple of years ago. They took on a team that in the last two years has been one of the top three teams in the National Hockey League and they outplayed them in six of the seven games, even though the Blues won four or three of those. But then on the flip side of that, David Perron was asked a couple of games ago if this was a postseason series feel for him. And it was a definitive no. And part of me was like, oh, I don't know if you should have said that, David. But his response was a little – it stuck out to me, Claves, because his response was a definitive no. But he said, look – this is a series for us to where we're trying to find out what we're lacking in our game. That's what the regular season does for us. When the postseason hits, we know that it's win or go home. And I think there's just different wavelengths for two teams right there because one's experienced and the other one is still trying to learn how to be a cup winner. Yeah, I I think you hit the nail right on the head there. Uh, The Blues use this as an evaluation period. Arizona uses uses as a motivation yeah. to 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 ascend within the, the conference, uh, and, and that's fine. You know, I, I think there was some things that everybody learned about each other, uh, and and again, as I said earlier, I'm anxious to see how the Blues apply this moving forward. Right. Uh, the lessons they learned in this series against Arizona. Hey, uh, for you, I wanted to ask you, who are some other teams that are starting to make, stand out to you? I mean. Uh, You know, we talked a couple of weeks ago about how impressed I was with Montreal and Toronto, and that hasn't changed. Uh, Has anybody else started to creep up and and get your attention? Yeah, you know, I got a couple of them, Claves. One of them, our good buddy that we all know and love, Joel Quenville, he has turned this Florida Panthers team around. I've been watching a lot of them lately, and you're absolutely right. 
I mean, there's nine, two and two, I believe on the season right now. And that's with losing Mike Hoffman. And I think a lot of people expected that to really hurt that team this season, um, especially because their goaltending hasn't been that great with Sergei Bobrowski. But, you know, they had an interesting offseason. They went out and they got that Anthony Duclair, who I think a lot of people. See, I thought he would have been a good fix for the Blues. I was. would have. I was yeah. hoping the Blues would go for him before they went for Mike Hoffman because I felt like he was a good attribute to this team. He played that Blues style. You know, he's played in the West Coast. He's played in the East Coast. That's one thing that's hindering Mike Hoffman right now is he's been an East Coast hockey player. Now he's trying to this, learn how to play in the West Western Conference. This is a skaters conference for sure. Exactly. But and, and I, I love is okay, but you know, he's not this. Yeah, you make a good yeah, point. And that's Anthony Duclair's game. But I love the way that Florida plays right now because they have their top guys playing as their top guys. I mean, Alexander Barkov is going out there looking like the perennial top player that he is. You know, you got a couple of other guys who are coming up big for Joel Quenville. So they've stuck out to me. And as much as this hurts me to say, Claves. Boston is is right at the top once again. I mean, you got to give yeah. respect to a team that not only lost their captain in the offseason, lost two of their best defensemen in Zdeno Chara and Tori Krug, their goaltender who has come out and basically said that, look, things just aren't the love of the games, right? It's going yeah. for him right now. They've started the season without their best goal scorer, David Pasternak, and he comes back and he just starts lighting up the league. I mean, every single season, it feels like we're talking about the Boston Bruins because they have the top guys who perform as the top guys. Yeah, and they, you know what? They keep it simple. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think that's important for them. I mean, they know each other, and they're giving some kids opportunity to play, and I think that that's important. Uh, they're trying to mesh the kids with the veterans, and, and it's starting to come together. I want to go back to Florida for a minute. Yeah. I think they throw out the, as good a sixth defenseman as there is in the league right now. And they tried yep. to run Yandel off. And that, that just kind of blew me away. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's been a, a very solid guy. Uh, but but Quinville has not changed, Alex. One of the things about Joel, he will he will throw the same guys out there over and over in every other shift. I mean, look at the minutes totals on some of their players. And, you know, you can go back to his days here in St. Louis, the way yep. he played Pronger and McKinnis. And then when he got to Chicago, the way he dealt with Seabrook uh, and Duncan Keith. And, mm-hmm. and he's doing the same thing in Florida. And, and you're right. They, they're, they're really fun to watch. And they've got a little rivalry going now with the Tampa Bay Lightning, uh, which is another good team that nobody talks about right, right now. So overall, I am impressed with the, the growth of the league with regard to the bottom, the alleged bottom rung teams right. uh, that are making it very interesting for virtually anybody on any given night. Especially, I, I mean, we didn't even talk about some of the other ones, Claves. I mean, look, the New York Islanders are a team that has kind of always flown under the radar, but they're mm-hmm. continuing to build something right now. Uh, we've already mentioned the Montreal Canadiens, the New York Rangers. I, I know the Rangers aren't performing the way that we hoped them to, but they're kind of a team that's on the cusp of, of breaking out. The Calgary Flames are another one. I don't know how much of that you've watched with Matthew yeah. Chuck, but they've always been missing a goaltender, Klebs. I mean, that goes back to the days of Mika Kiprasov. Like, he was the guy, and that's mm-hmm. why Calgary was so effective. They went out and they spent the money on Jacob Markstrom, that Christopher Tanev from Vancouver, and lo and behold, now they're competitive with teams like Toronto in that Canadian division. So they're another team that's jumped out to me. Yeah, they, they're fun to watch. Um I'll tell you, team, that I just I, I watch them just to see what night they're going to show up as Ottawa. Yeah, uh, that that's just kind of a 
Yeah, I, they I came from behind. It, it was five to one the other night against Toronto, and they won yeah, it six to exactly. five. Like, oh uh, my gosh! It's and and you know, there's there's more spirit in that conference. Oh yeah. Than I see in the West, and the one the Blues are in. I mean, there's some guys that start not to like each other. Oh yeah. And it's going to be real bitter down the stretch. And, and with a team like Ottawa, who who knows that? Hey, you know what? We got Toronto on a night. We can scare or beat anybody, especially mm-hmm. late in the year, because they. I don't think they can make the playoffs, but man, they can sure make somebody else's playoff opportunity very dicey. So, uh, I, I think that's a really competitive conference right now. I'm looking forward to watching and keeping up with that. All right, let's talk a little bit about the Blues for a minute. Um, all right, we've moved on from from Arizona. Finally. What are we looking like injury-wise? Because I know there's some people that are kind of chewed up right now. What's the latest you're hearing on Tory Krug? So Tory Krug, they're, they're saying it's an upper body injury, and when Craig Bruby was asked what the upper body injury was, he, he was frank with it and said he has no idea. But the only thing – I went back and watched it, Klaibs. The only thing that I can think of with Tory Krug was those multiple punches to the face that he got towards the end of the second period mm. after the whistle. He got those hits to the face, and then he didn't play another shift. So, again, you don't want to speculate, but if it's an upper body injury, that's, Maybe the concussion. Injury, that's the injury that you're looking at right now. So they didn't skate yesterday on um, on Tuesday. So um, so we're going to have to wait to find out. They'll skate on Wednesday before the game on Thursday. So we'll find out with Tory Krug. Hopefully it's day-to-day. That's what Craig Berube told us. But if it's an upper body injury and that punch to the face – you got to think it's going to be more along the lines of what Tyler Bozak has been going through in terms of length. So hopefully that's not the case. Um, You know, Jaden Schwartz, he's day to day with a lower body injury. He didn't skate on Monday afternoon's game. Darren Pang said on Fox Sports Midwest that if this was a game seven of a playoff series, Schwartz would have been playing in that. So I I think it's more with Jaden Schwartz of it's something that is tweaked. It's something that's been bugging him. And the Blues thought, you know what, we may be better off to let him rest for a couple of games, test our depth, and get him back in when he's 100%. And the same can be said with Marco Scandella and Sammy Blay. Those two guys basically skated the entire road trip with the team, morning skates, practices, optionals. Um, Once again, Panger reported that those guys would be playing if it was a Game 7. So my hunch is come Thursday against the Sharks, you'll see Scandella, you'll see Blay being available, and Jaden Schwartz is kind of iffy right now. We'll have to wait on Tory Krug. And then with Tyler Bozak, I mean, Klaibs, this guy hasn't even skated yet for my knowledge. So mm. I think that was a um, I think that was one, a missed opportunity by the NHL player safety to to buzz a player like Mark Stone for a hit like that because it's caused this length of an injury. But two, hopefully this isn't as serious as it sounds with Tyler yeah. Bozak uh, from that hit to the head. You used the word depth earlier. Uh, give me your impressions on some of the players that we've had a chance to see that have been called into action. Uh, we've seen uh, De La Rose a little bit, but what about some of the other p- kids that they've had a chance to throw in the lineup? Yeah, I'm going to give you two names that I like and two names that I haven't liked so far, Claves, and I'm curious your thoughts on these. So the one that I like is De La Rose, the one you mentioned. I think he brought that fire into the game that Craig Berube needed. Frankly, these last two games, I've loved the fourth line. That was De La Rose, Clifford, and Mackenzie McEachern because De La Rose has been forechecking. He's been winning faceoffs. He's been playing the penalty kill. He, to me, is a guy that should be competing for ice time out there, and he is giving Craig Berube the reason to keep him in the lineup. The other one that I really like is Austin Pagansky. Now, it's only two games, 
But I go to that game on Saturday where the Blues scored the goal. Zach Sanford got it. But who was in front of the net? It was yeah. Austin Pagansky. Now, what's and, his background as far as for our, give our viewers and listeners an idea of what kind of player is he or what is he shown to be? I mean, is he a goal scorer? Is he just a third line guy? What do you what do you see in him? The best explanation I can give for this guy. And I remember talking to him last season in training camp. He went to the University of North Dakota where TJ Oshie, Jonathan Taves went. So he's got that background in college. He was a goal scorer. In the AHL, he was relied upon as a top six forward for the, the, the minor league affiliates. But for the Blues, he said he always tries to bring the fire that Craig Berube wants on that third and fourth line because he knows his role. If he's coming into the game, he's going to be playing on the third or fourth line and he's going to be getting those minutes. So he's not going out there trying to be a goal scorer. If he has the chance, he told me that he likes to shoot the puck, but his goal is to utilize his body and speed and go to the front of the net and create opportunities for his line mates. And that's what stuck out to me on Saturday, Klaibs. I mean, he went to the net every opportunity that he got. Sanford scores that goal, but on top of it, they're also coming away with scoring opportunities with Sunquist and Sanford when Austin Pagansky gets out there. So I like his game. I don't know if people should expect to see a future 20-goal scorer out of Pagansky, but you can expect to see a guy who's always out there putting his body on the line and going out there and playing very reliable third and fourth line minutes uh, for Craig Berube. Let me ask you, um, third and fourth line, we, we have a surplus of them. Yeah. Who in this organization has the potential to be a legitimate goal scorer? And, and I, you know, 2025, yeah, that's great. I'm talking about a guy who can get to 30, maybe yeah. 35. Is there somebody in the organization as we speak? It has that potential. I don't. I don't know, Klebs. I don't think so. You know, everyone wants to say Clint Costin, and I just don't know if he's to the NHL level yet. That you would say, yeah, he's a thirty-goal scorer. Now, I know people mm -hmm. have been paying attention to him over in the KHL, where he's starting to turn it on. I think he's got nine points in four games. Um, he's a physical player. I don't know if he's ever going to be a thirty-goal scorer, though, because I think. Craig Berube hasn't seen the identity from Clem Costin. And maybe he gets there. He's 21 years old. But for right now, I don't think he's that. You know, they drafted a kid, Nikita Alexandrov, who right now is playing overseas. I believe he's playing in Sweden right now. There's a potential there, but I think he wasn't as highly touted as a draft pick in terms of goal scorer. He's kind of that two-way forward for the Blues, kind of like what a third or fourth line forward is. I think the only guy in the system that has the potential of being a 30-goal scorer right now is Jordan Cairo. And I don't know if you consider him into the system anymore now because he's an NHL player every day, but it's a good and bad thing, Claves. It's a good thing because the Blues don't draft that low or that high to where they can yeah. find those guys as easily. Um, but it's a bad thing because, you, like you mentioned, you have a surplus of third and fourth line forwards which means you either have to pay your top six guys to keep them around or you have to go out in free agency and find somebody because you haven't found those guys to build in the draft. All right. You mentioned two people that have caught your eye. Who are two? Who are the other two that either you need to see more of or have you seen enough of? Um, I need to see more from Mackenzie McEachern, Glebs. And he's had a, he has spurts of games where I'm thinking, okay, this is exactly what the Blues needed. But then he also has games like on Monday afternoon where the Blues basically shortened their bench when they needed to 
because Mackenzie McEachern wasn't giving him the minutes. And then the other one is Zach Sanford. And I know Sanford scored the goal on Saturday, which is great to see. But those two guys I need to see more from because they're guys that Craig Berube wants to use their body. He wants them to be bigger than what they are. They're they need power to play forward. bigger. Yeah. Yeah. They're power forwards. I mean, Craig Berube came out and said when he made the line adjustments that he's got basically puck hounds on every line that can use their body to create offensive opportunities. Ivan Barbashev has done that for the Blues. Jaden Schwartz, Mike Hoffman, Braden Shen, they do that on the second line. The third line has Zach Sanford, who really hasn't been showing that any. And then the fourth line has Mackenzie McEachern, who, again, I like the fourth line, but I like the fourth line from De La Rose and Clifford's end, not so much Mackenzie McEachern. So I need to see a little bit more from those two. Is there anything more frustrating in the National Hockey League than to see a big, strong forward not play big? And, you know, he's a perimeter guy. He doesn't go below the faceoff dots, doesn't get dirty areas, doesn't play the body. Is there anything more frustrating in hockey than seeing that guy? And, and every time you see him and you see flashes of it, and then you say, I'm going to give him another shift or I'm going to give him another game. And then just when you do it, he goes back to everything to disappoint you. Yeah, there is nothing more frustrating. And, you know, I, I look at Zach Sanford and I say, man, there is so much potential on this guy because I go back to last season, Klaibs, where he basically turned it on when the Blues needed him to, and he had like 15 goals in a matter of a month and a half. That was the player that we were hoping to see in the St. Louis Blues organization. And then you see games like these last five or six where you know he's got the potential. All he needs to do is go to the front of the net. He's got great hand-eye coordination in terms of deflections. He just doesn't want to. He wants to shoot the puck. And you've seen the effectiveness on this Blues team, right? Like Pat Maroon has shown that that works in the NHL. It's what keeps guys around. David Backus, as, as much as people give David Backus flack for, he stuck around and he still is around right. the Anaheim Ducks organization. Why? because he uses his body and he goes to the front of the net. It's so crucial in the NHL today, but even more so it's more crucial in Craig Berube's system to where you're going to score goals, you're going to get those dirty goals, but the only way you're going to do that is if you make it hard on the goaltender. And Monday was a great example, Klaibs. Blues had 21 shots on net, a lot of them great shots, but they didn't make Darcy Kemper work enough because they didn't have enough bodies in front of them. So it's frustrating when you see Sanford and McEachern because you know that they're big, heavy players. It's just they're not wanting to take that next step right now. And well, now is the time, though. Yeah. Now is the time. And you know what? There's a price to pay to be a good player. Yeah. Okay? And, and you know, everybody doesn't have the, the great snapshot. Everybody doesn't have the great speed. But you can still be a great player if you do certain things and make that commitment. And um, at some point, they got to make a decision. Right. And maybe that's what, what you know, uh, Sanford's previous team saw that felt that maybe he's not the guy that they thought he was. So we'll yeah. see. Yeah. What else and do you have? I hope it changes too, Claves, because it's just frustrating. Real quick, one more for you. I'm curious your thoughts on this because we talked about Joel Quenville and the success he has in Florida right now. That's a different system than what Craig Berube runs. Craig Berube runs the heavy body. He likes the forecheck. Do you think that that has a shelf life in the NHL or maybe just a shelf life for the blues, because it does seem like he's not getting a hundred percent buy-in from some of these players. It, it's that's a great question because I think today uh, coaching is, is as challenging as it has ever been because yeah. you can keep it simple 
and you can play the Craig Berube style. And, and I think it's one that we appreciate, but to get guys to buy into it because you have to make sacrifice. Okay. You got to play the body a little bit. You got to lean on guys. You have to get in people's faces and the way players play today that we've almost lost a generation of players who understand that style because right. they feel like, well, if I do that, I might have to fight or I might have to push a guy or I might get a stinky glove. You know, it, there's so many things that they don't want to do because it's an inconvenience. Yeah. So you have to really look at the character of the player and his background on whether he's able to really do this and has he done it somewhere else before uh, compared to the guys who want to turn this into a skills competition and not make that commitment. Uh, and it's a very fine line. You know, I'm old school, so I like the Baruby style. Yeah. I think the bigger challenge is can Doug Armstrong find enough guys who really are going to commit to it and are willing to be coached. Yeah. You know, you know, there's so many things that have changed with the game from the select teams to the junior teams. And they've got this, this my mindset that this is the only way I can play because this is what's made me successful. And when you get to the national hockey league, you look around and, hey, you know, all these guys are good players. Right. I mean, they all came from great junior programs or were really good in the minors. So it's it's not a man amongst boys anymore. And so some of them don't know how to get to that next gear to, to put themselves in that position of being a bona fide, legitimate top six national hockey leaguer, top four defense national hockey leaguer, a real contributor every night. And because they've been baby. I think Ken Hitchcock said it best. You know, today's player has to be able to tune out the white noise from yeah. their junior coaches, from their agent, from their parents, from their friends. You know, I think one of the biggest mistakes that we see today, we'll see a guy who's playing in the National Hockey League. And you say you'll hear a parent or somebody say, well, my kid played with him. He's he, if, if he played with him, he must be as good as. Him. Well, that's right. not the case. And once you get kids to understand that we do things differently here, then you have a chance. Now, the problem that you also have is kids know how to get coaches fired yep. and, and they know how to do it. And they if they if they quit on a guy, then guess what? The coach is gone. The player yep. fine. They'll, he'll move him to another team, but they'll get rid of the coach. And we see it more in hockey than we see in the other sports because they have a better idea of what it takes. You know, you go out and not give a good effort for a couple of shifts. And all of a sudden, I don't play him. And then he quits on you. And all of a sudden, you you know, they're talking about making a change because it, it becomes contagious. And that's something you have to be careful of. I think the way Craig Berube coaches makes people accountable because he has some pros in the room that understand that. And that, that's where an Alex Steen was a very important player. Yep. Uh, so we have to figure out who that guy is now. Uh, Ryan O'Reilly, obviously, is one of them. David Perron should be, but, you know, David Perron takes too many nights off, even at this yep. stage of his career. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's the frustrating part where if you have the younger guys, you want them to learn, but then that happens with one of your veteran guys, and it's the buying in that you're looking for still. It was just something that popped into my head, and I no, was it's curious. No, it's a good idea. It's a it. good point. It's a very yeah. good point. So it'll be something to keep an eye on. Well, Claves, again, luckily it's not the Arizona Coyotes that they take on. Hallelujah. <laughs> so we'll, have, we'll obviously have to look at a program now and start yeah. to read some game notes again. We'll have to start actually looking at numbers and the names on the exactly. back of those jerseys rather than seeing Connor Garland skate around and say, oh, oh Jesus, gosh. it's him again. 
Keller so, scores again? You got to yeah. be kidding me. Come on now. So yeah. they got the San Jose Sharks Thursday. They got the San Jose Sharks Saturday. Then they head out west once again to take on some more California teams. Klebs, you and I will be next week, and we can break down more from the Blues, more from the NHL. I appreciate the time today, buddy. All right, my friend. Look good talking to you. And this, of course, is brought to you by Amron, Illinois, the home loan expert, Ryan Kelly, and our good friends at Munganast Toyota and also Munganast Acura. He's Alex Ferrario. I'm Mike Claiborne. We thank you for watching the Ferrario Face-Off on ClaybesOnline.com.